This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Welcome to the Bartender Journey Podcast, number 163. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast. It talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, lots going on in the show today. We're going to kind of just bounce around all over the place. Uh, we're going to start off in Baltimore at the Bar Institute event, and we're going to talk to Jillian and Jesse from Dead Rabbit. They were there uh, presenting some cocktails, so they're going to tell us all about them. All right. We're here at Bar Institute in Baltimore, and we're here with the lovely Jillian from Dead Rabbit. How are you today? I'm well. How are you, Brian? Awesome. So uh, what are you guys mixing up today? Well, we brought, uh, we brought two drinks that are featured on our menu, our current uh, Volume 4 Resurrection menu. And we picked these two drinks because we thought that this really showcased the diversity of the cocktails and also the spirits um, that are, are, are in them. You know, who would have thought you'd have a kind of tropical Irish whiskey cocktail and then a tiki gin cocktail. So we wanted to show... Um, how these spirits can be used in not your not your average way. So uh, the first drink uh, we'll discuss is the Total Diva, which is Citadel Gin. It's a full two ounce of that. Uh, we make a house-made uh, toasted orgeat and fennel syrup. So that's uh, half an ounce of the, the orgeat, quarter ounce of the fennel syrup. And then three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice. We have a matcha green tea that we blend together with a Coco Lopez, being that kind of tropical uh, coconut flavor and then you have uh, a touch of cream and that's just whipped together served over crushed ice and then garnished with fresh nutmeg and it's it's really delightful the gin is definitely definitely there and definitely the highlight of the cocktail but it's kind of cool that you don't really see a, a tiki gin drink like this uh, around and then Jesse Vita has made one of his drinks uh, it sells very well on the menu and this is the, the tropical Irish whiskey cocktail and I'll let him, him talk about that Tell us about your cocktail. Okay, I will. How you doing, Brian? Very good. Yourself? Doing well, doing well. Uh, so yeah, my drink is called the Wildcat, and Irish whiskey actually plays very well with uh, tropical flavors. Um, so there's a 100% pot still Irish whiskey in there, the Redbreast 12, which kind of has like a little bit of blueberry creaminess as far as the mouthfeel and taste. Um, and then Jameson Black Barrel, which is a, a recharred bourbon barrel, so a little bit more smoky, a little bit more vanillin uh, to spend some time in. So aside from that, we have a cilantro tincture, uh, fresh lime juice, Fresh mango, uh, white cacao, orgeat, and a little bit of uh, banana liqueur, uh, as, lo- as well with the with the whiskeys, and we we top it with a little bit of uh, grated spiced Mexican chocolate. Yeah, it seems like creme de cacao is uh, coming, making a comeback these days, right? <laughs> yeah, creme de cacao is definitely one of my favorite ingredients. I, I use it in a lot, as well as bananas is definitely uh, bananas huge right now, and the the Jafard banana de Brazil is in almost every bar these days. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of ingredients in there. And this is on the menu, right? This is on the new menu at Dead Rabbit? It is, it is. But a lot of ingredients is kind of how we roll at Dead Rabbit. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> so you don't really pre-batch anything, right? No, everything's basically built. Um, every once in a while, if we have a, if we have a, a specific cocktail, with maybe like a 12-bottle pickup, just for efficiency and service, we might make a little biz where we'll batch you know, um, non-perishable ingredients. Maybe if it's like three-quarter ounce pours, put together and make it one uh, three-quarter ounce pour. But for the most part, everything's built to order. So what's it like working at Dead Rabbit? Such a great place, won a lot of awards. And um, so how do you like working there? 
I love working in Dead Rabbit. It's it's definitely challenging, um, but it's fun. You know, we we push each other, but you know, in in a fun way, in a playful, competitive way. And uh, everyone on the team there really has a desire to to be great, to be the best at what they do. And that's an ethos we push throughout the building on every floor. And we're just looking to get better every day uh, with with a humble heart and an attitude to achieve. That's great, humble heart. I like that. But I, I think there's really something to that, like challenging yourself and 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 that management allows that freedom and and there's constant training going on right yeah exactly i mean that's that's all part of it is we're, we're all eager to improve and you know we all come from different backgrounds um but we all we all just want to continue to to go in the right direction so there is constant training uh you know recently actually we just did a, a technique class which was really fun because a lot of it was an open discussion on you know why we do certain movements and certain motions why we put certain ingredients before others and it's just always good to you know you can never stop learning you can never you know you can never reach the highest point there's there's never there's never perfection but you can always chase it you know yeah yeah hey, it's it's so weird but i think a lot of you know non-hospitality businesses could learn from us the fact that you know people need to be challenged and they, and they want to learn new things and there's a lot to that what method do you guys follow as far as building drinks? Like, is it the cheapest ingredient first method? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we well, we just we just talked about all this, so I can tell you exactly how we do it. Um, yeah, exactly. So we we start, you know, with uh, herbs or any kind of muddled fruit, going to bitters and citrus syrups, uh, modifiers, meaning anything from like a fortified wine to you know. Uh, like a cordial or a liqueur, and then finally to your base spirit. So yeah, exactly. We're, you know, you're going to make mistakes every once in a while, so you might as well toss out 30 cents worth of ingredients instead of $5 worth of ingredients if you need to read guys, I don't remember. Do you guys taste before you serve? Or? We, of course. I mean, we. I would never put out a drink without Maybe tasting taste it. Each one? Every single one, yeah, yeah. of course, of course. Right. Stirred drinks probably multiple times as I'm making it to get the proper dilution, but, you know. My, my personal ethos is I would never put something out that I wouldn't drink myself, you know? Right, right. All right, man. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. And uh, I'll be around Dead Rabbit. Awesome. Pretty soon, I'm sure. Forward to having you. <laughs> it's great, Cheers, man. Brother. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Jillian. I'll see you guys soon, I'm sure. All right. We're here at the Bar Institute in Baltimore in the tasting room. And uh, tell us all about your gin. So yeah, so uh, basically what we are doing here is we have two different gins. This is we're Martin Miller's gin. We have an 80 proof as well as a hardier 90 proof. That's Brendan Druini. The product is distilled in England with uh, choice botanicals and then we send it to Iceland where it's blended with live and pure Icelandic spring water. Um, we're the only gin company to do so, to date, at least to our knowledge. And we sort of say that the, the unique characteristics of our gin come from the water. And the water itself has a kind of a magic behind it, but what it also is is naturally demineralized, and that allows a very balanced mouth and nose feel as opposed to a kind of intense sort of punch of juniper that some other gins tend to have. So what you have, especially in the 80 proof, is essentially a gin for the non-gin drinker. So someone, you know, maybe a family member who says, oh, I had a really bad experience with gin when I sold it from my family's liquor cabinet when I was 16, you can, you can have them try the 80 proof. The, the Westbourne strength, the 90 proof, is popular with a lot of mixologists and 
In my opinion, it makes a really killer martini. I'm so frustrated when people would say, oh, I, you know, I don't do gin. I'm like, come on. You know, exactly what you said. The, oh, they had a bad experience years and ago with some I, cheap, awful right. stuff. I think gin has gone through so many different, you know, manifestations. And I think, you know, once it was Mother's Ruin, which was, which was associated with basically everyone in, in, in London sort of falling apart and drinking gin until they were blind and then yeah, it yeah. and then it sort of became back um, the, 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 the you know the real base of classic cocktails um, because it was such a complex spirit and then I think in the early 90s vodka had a very heavy marketing campaign and sort of pushed into the side but what's interesting is especially with Martin Miller's and what we really were pivotal in doing was sort of reinvigorating the gin renaissance and taking a product that was different but yet traditional so that it was basically a take on a classic London dry with some with some different nuances. But I think gin right now, if you look at, you know, if you go to a place that either a restaurant or a bar or a liquor store, you see a lot less vodka and you see a lot more gin. There are gins from all over the world, the country, I mean, local, international, it's kind of cool. It's great to see the flavored vodka craze sort of dying down finally. But, um, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, uh, you know, Southern Teague from uh, Maury and Margo, and uh, he doesn't carry vodka, you know. But I, I said, so what do you say to somebody who comes in and wants a vodka soda? He says, well, I got this lovely uh, flavor of vodka. It's flavored with juniper and uh, citrus. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Exactly. And, and, and I think this one here would, I mean, you could probably fool somebody and say that's a lemon, you know. Yeah, it definitely, it's, it's, we do a little, we play around with the distillation, it's a two-part distillation, one is, you know, sort of the earthier botanicals and the other is the more citrus, and our methodology is kind of similar to that of steeping tea um, overnight gently, and we don't use carter heads or berry trays, we do everything sort of in a very old-fashioned way, and we throw out the dregs. Um, well, so. uh, could, you, could you explain for somebody who doesn't know how, how gin is made? Yeah, so basically you take the, you take the, raw, you take the raw alcohol, um, and then basically what what we do is we have an old pot still, and what we do in that old pot still is we have two different distillates, and one of them is what we do is basically overnight we gently steep the botanicals in the grain alcohol, so just absorbing these different flavors and capturing these nuances. What a lot of gin companies do is pass them through what's Carter, called a carter head or a berry tray, and what that essentially is is as the, as the, as the raw spirit is passing through, it just absorbs certain, you know, it absorbs the different, like juniper and cashew bark. So but you're, it, ta you're talking about the, the, the alcohol that's uh, now vaporized, right? Right, and right. then basically from there what happens is you, you end up with a, a distillate that there's, there's a couple parts that, you know, some people view as the dregs, but they repurpose, um, and then there's sort of the heart of the product. And the most, dregs meaning the heads and tails? The heads and tails, exactly. So most people repurpose them because it is, in theory, it makes sense and it's quite expensive to just get rid of things. Um, but we, in a quest for kind of the finest product available, we get rid of them and we only keep the heart. And so then that product is shipped to Iceland where it's, where it's blended with uh, Icelandic spring water. And that's kind of the nautical journey that it takes. Well, it's great. Stuff. And so what's in our cocktail here? Well, actually, I will let Alex explain this cocktail. Because Alex? So in a, a nod to New York, I wanted to feature a cocktail uh, that has been featured at Death & Company. It's actually in their book. Uh, it's called the uh, Imperial March. So uh, the gin really comes through. It's a nice kind of springtime aperitif cocktail. You know, I like gin, so I like a cocktail that tastes like gin. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, Martin Miller's Westbourne Strength Gin, uh, a little bit of Coke Americano. Uh, we use Manzanilla Sherry in that, uh, which adds some great acidity to the cocktail. Uh, a little bit of maraschino and orange bitters. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have some. Of course. Thanks for talking, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Great. You did great. Bar and Stew was amazing. 
I hope you'll consider going. You heard me talk about it before. There's still some dates left. August 21st through 23rd, 2016 in Miami, in Portland. They're going to be there in September 25th through 27th. And the Nationals in New York City, November 6th through 10th. So please make every effort you can to get to this event. It's, it's great. It's affordable. And uh, you won't be sorry. The other thing I really encourage you to do is to join the USBG if there's any way at all that you can. There's uh, chapters throughout the country, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, yesterday we had events all day long. It was just Monday, Monday fun day, as as my friend Shane put it, and uh, there was just an amazing amount of events going on, uh, all free, sponsored by brands. Uh, started out the day yesterday, but well, not part of that, but I uh, started out at Cocktail Kingdom, which is an amazing place full of great bar tools, stocked up some uh, with some stuff for my presentation at the Copper and Kings competitions coming up, and uh, I bought some cool tools to use during that. Uh, but next, I uh, went over to a bar called American Whiskey in Manhattan. It's in Midtown, and uh, there was the Monkey Shoulder competition there and uh that i had not actually signed up for that uh, but i went as a spectator and here's charlotte boise uh explaining the rules of the competition as we get to every round i will explain exactly what's expected of you the time frame you have to complete that round and how it's going to go you have the chance to ask questions along the way please do so uh there are such things as student questions but generally speaking (laughs) we encourage all of the ones that you have I want to make sure you understand what's expected of you before you go ahead and, and complete the task, okay? The good news is that this competition is not really about judgment, okay? The very um, clear objectives of what the round is supposed to test. You either get it right or you don't, okay? And we're very transparent about how everything's marked. But if you do have questions along the way again, let us know. So with that, the first two rounds are going to happen over behind me in the corner of the bar. Uh, The participating bartenders will come over with me in just a second. You're going to sit down. Uh, They're written tests, meaning we need your answers down on a piece of paper. Anytime you're writing your answers on a piece of paper, please make sure to put your name on the piece of paper and your number. You've each got a bartender number so we know who is who. Okay? The first round is going to be a general knowledge quiz. 100 questions in 20 minutes or as quickly as I can talk. And then the second round, you'll stay in that room. It's the mixiotic table. Okay? After those two rounds, we'll come back out to the main area. You guys will have a chance to grab a drink, something to eat, use the bathroom, freak out, whatever you want to do. And then we'll move on to the next four rounds, uh, which will take approximately an hour to, for all of you to compete. And then after those four rounds, we'll have our three top scorers. I will announce who they are. And those three, one by one, will go behind the main bar and they will have the round building challenge, which is making a round of eight specific monkey shoulder cocktails as quickly as possible. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when things get very exciting. Just a free warning, okay? So that was fun. The first part of that uh, competition was a 100-question written test. And those questions were pretty hard, i got to tell you what. But uh, I just I stayed around for a little bit, chatted with some folks, and I uh, had a couple of cocktails, but then left before it was over because uh, the next thing I wanted to go to was a chartreuse event. It was chartreuse day yesterday. Uh, that was uh, Monday, May 16th, and uh, 2016. And uh, there was a great event held by Tim Master over at a really cool bar called Dear Irving and I had never been in there before but I love it and the the, the hospitality there was just outstanding uh 
the people just look so generally, so genuinely happy uh, to, to welcome me in, into their place. And Tim Tim talks passionately about chartreuse, which is pretty awesome stuff. He he had a bottle there that uh, was very rare and extremely delicious. And uh, I'm trying to get Tim on the show soon to talk about chartreuse because it's really good stuff. Tim's a great guy. His uh, official title now is Director of Specialty Spirits at Frederick Wildman & Sons. Uh, but he works on chartreuse a lot. And uh, he, he grew up in the business, uh, in the bar business, I guess, and restaurant business, and uh, switched on over to the brand side. And uh, But he gave a great talk in um, Baltimore about uh, at the Bar Institute event about um, the title of the thing was called Life After Bartending. Here's Tim. Um, this is something I've been thinking about over, over time. I've been getting phone calls for the past five years from friends in the industry, from you guys, Hey man, how, how do I get into your side of the business? Or how do I become a owner of a bar? What do I do? What do you know? What do you connect? And, and I thought about this in, in Portland, at Portland Cocktail Week, we did a similar class like this and uh, now we're doing it here in Baltimore. So the point of this uh, talk was that there are so many opportunities now in, in our business besides bartending. There's uh, bar ownership, working for a brand or distributor, uh, brand ambassadorship, brand ownership, uh, being what's called a corporate mixologist, which is a whole other thing. And uh, there, there's a lot there's a lot of options these days and it's a really cool time to be in the industry and eventually your feet are going to start to hurt. I know my feet hurt being on my feet 10, 12 hours a day when I'm working. You know, I love slinging drinks and I love bartending, but my feet are going to get hurt. You know, you, you're going to burn out. It is a very demanding job that you have. Luckily, you are all in an amazing point in this industry because there's more opportunity now than there ever was. And of course, there's this thing called brand ambassador. And uh, in the class, they described a brand ambassador this way. It's a person who is your peer, or the bartender's peer, who you respect and tells you this is good and, and why and makes it look easy. Choosing the right brand is so important. Uh, you have to, you really need to believe in the brand. You have to, you have to uh, put your whole focus, your whole energy behind it. But brand ambassador is all about awareness, education, training salespeople, training bartenders, and consumers as well. During the class, they uh, predicted some uh, changes in the, in the brand ambassador world. Uh, they think uh, less freedom is coming, for spending at least, uh, more back-of-house work, more paperwork. Uh, they're gonna, the brands are going to want to see more measurable results. But the smaller the brand, probably the more freedom you have to shape what your job is going to be as a brand ambassador. The big, uh, the big corporate uh, brands, uh, you know, the role's already uh, very much defined. But at a smaller brand, you might have more, uh, more role in, in shaping the job into what you think it should be. All right, let's get into a cocktail of the week. Frutations uh, sent over some uh, samples here, and it's delicious, delicious cocktail mixers. They have cranberry, the Rio red grapefruit, tangerine, and cherry. And uh, the tangerine is awesome. And uh, they sent along some cocktail recipes. I adapted uh, it slightly. Frutations tangerita. I used two ounces of silver tequila, one ounce Frutations tangerine. I uh, used a quarter ounce of lemon juice, quarter ounce simple syrup, and half an ounce of lime. Combine that together, shook it, pour it over uh, fresh ice, and added just a splash of club soda to that uh, seltzer, and uh, that, that's good stuff. Tangerine's delicious in the cocktails. Frutation, uh, it's, it's all natural stuff. In fact, uh, here's the ingredients of the tangerine mixer. Tangerines, water, and pure cane sugar. That's it. Delicious stuff and uh, can make your life a little easier getting stuff like this pre, uh, pre-made, pre pre-batched for you and uh, make your life a little easier at the bar and help you produce some delicious drinks. 
Like I said at the beginning, we're a little bit all over the map today. A lot of different stuff to talk about and off off of our usual format a little bit. But uh, let's get to the book of the week. Toby Ciccini wrote a book called Cosmopolitan, A Bartender's Life. And uh, this book goes all the way back to 2003. It's not a cocktail recipe book. It's uh, about the life of a bartender. It's a memoir. And uh, he starts out talking about his local neighborhood bar uh, in Wisconsin called The Joint. J-O-Y-N-T. And... uh, you know, how it just uh, meant so, bu- so much to everybody in the town. It, it was all things to all people. And uh, then it goes on, you know, he owned he owned a bar in Manhattan and uh, just talks about, about the life of a bartender. And it's a really great read. And uh, that's our book of the week, Cosmopolitan by Toby Caccini. And we'll have a link up to that on bartenderjourney.net on the posting that goes along with this show, number 163. And anytime you click through an Amazon link to get to amazon.com and buy something, you're helping out the show a little bit. doesn't cost you any extra. Whether you buy this book or something different uh, in that sort of session, you'll uh, they they throw a, through a few shekels this way to help out, help support the show. It costs money to put this show on, and anything you can do to help uh, it would be great. There's also our tip cup page on bartenderjourney.net, and uh, if you're in the U.S. and you get to that tip cup page and donate thirty dollars or more, uh, I'll, and you're in the U.S., I'll send I'll send you a little something. All right, we're gonna wrap it up now, and uh, glad you're here. First, uh, before we do our toast, we do our toast every week at the end of the show. I'll remind you, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. I'd love to hear from you for any reason at all. You can uh, go to bartenderjourney.net and use the contact page there, and uh, yeah, get in touch. You can find me on Twitter at Barkeep Tips. You can find the Facebook page. Uh, just search for Bartender Journey. And I hope you're subscribed to the show so that the next shows uh, come to you right away. As soon as they're uh, available, they'll download right to your phone. And if you have any questions at all about how to subscribe, you can get on over to bartenderjourney.net slash subscribe. All right, here's our toast. Here's to your health. You make age curious, time furious, and all of us envious. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey podcast. to keep you from voting the repeal of the 18th Amendment any longer.